Welcome back to the 76 Capital Leadership Series. My name is Ty Jackson, and today, 76 Capital's managing partner, Wayne Kimmel, speaks with Robert Smith, two-time pro bowler, Fox Sports college football analyst, and founder of Fans Huddle. Smith talks all about why more and more athletes are becoming entrepreneurs and shares stories from his playing days with the Minnesota Vikings and Ohio State. Hope you enjoy today's episode. Nerd Street is a national network of esports facilities, content, and events dedicated to powering competitive opportunities for gamers. The company provides opportunities for gamers of all ages and skill levels to participate in esports tournaments, camps, private events, and more for a wide variety of video games. Learn more at nerdstreet.com. That's nerdstreet.com. Welcome to the 76 Capital Leadership Series. My name is Wayne Kimmel, and I'm your host and managing partner of this incredible podcast that we get to do every single week. And so excited that all of you tune in each week. As you know, 76 Capital, we are known as the Sports Tech Venture Capital Fund. And on this show, our 76 Capital Leadership Series, I interview top entrepreneurs, executives, and athletes who are truly shaping and many times changing the overall sports landscape. Now, before we get started, I got to give a quick shout out to Ty back at the station and Vince, who make it all happen and make this show a reality. You can follow me on Twitter at Wayne Kimmel all across social media networks. And please follow 76 Capital as well and subscribe to our podcast as well as to our YouTube channel where you can find all of our 76 Capital Leadership uh, Series events and and all the great interviews that we do. So remember, if you're an entrepreneur, you're an executive, you're someone who truly wants to do the next, next thing in sports, whether that's in sports tech, esports, sports betting, anything in, in and around what's changing and doing sort of doing the next, next thing in sports, reach out to us at 76 Capital. We want to hear from you. We want to talk with you. We want to see if there are ways that we can work together and do something special. Now let's get to it. We have a great guest today. We have Robert Smith, who is coming to us you know, on, on our show. So excited to have him tell us about all the things that he's working on today, as well as all the amazing things that he did as a running back at Ohio State, as well as a top NFL running back with the Minnesota Vikings. So Robert, welcome to our 76 Capital Leadership Series. Hey, thanks, Wayne. I really appreciate you having me on. Well, it's really exciting to have you on our show. It's exciting that, you know, all, all these years that we've bumped into each other and seen each other at so many different events uh, across the country that we have this opportunity to have this conversation. Yeah, it's really cool. I, again, I really appreciate you having me on. It's, it's really exciting what you do. And I, I think, you know, there are a lot of great stories and I'm, uh, I'm honored that you think mine uh, is, is, is good enough to be part of the group. <laughs> Well, we definitely want to hear your story as well as all the amazing things that you're doing now. I mean, whether that's, you know, being involved as a sports broadcaster whether as, and also as an entrepreneur, maybe just jump into some of the things that you're working on today. Love to hear. Yeah. So I call games for uh, Fox Sports, call, call, mostly college games. I've called some NFL games in the past. Um, this year is a little bit different. Fox uh, decided to do most of their games remotely. Uh, so they don't actually send a lot of the crews out to games. Um, but it's not the worst thing in the world for me because I get to go out to L.A. and uh, call my games from L.A. in studio. So, that, so, so that's not too bad. I also do the Vikings, uh, Vikings Entertainment Network. Uh, that's basically the team's internal 
uh, social media channels. They, they broadcast on YouTube. They broadcast on their own website. They broadcast uh, on the Minnesota Vikings app. And so for their home game, or excuse me, away games, uh, I do the post-game show from the Vikings facility. And, uh, you know, the, it, it, the season's been, uh, it's, it's, it's been a little bit up and down, <laughs> but it's always cool to get back up there uh, to Minnesota and, uh, and, and call those games. And uh, on, the, uh, on the business side, uh, I started a company called Fan Health Network. Uh, a few years back, and we have migrated uh, and kind of pivoted a little bit, and uh, now that company is called Fan Huddle. And basically the idea there is using the passion that people have for their favorite schools, teams, athletes, uh, and other influencers uh, to use that passion to encourage them and to educate them about living a healthier life. And so what we've done most recently is we've created a library of content to be distributed with uh, large insurance companies, population health companies, uh, a few other distribution channels. But it, that's in three uh, main areas. That's movement, uh, mindset, and lifestyle movements, exactly what you think, whether it's, it's running or cycling or, or yoga. Uh, mindset's more about resiliency, positive attitude, uh, and then uh, lifestyle uh, is going to be more about sleep and nutrition. So really excited about it because uh, ultimately for me, like the, the pie in the sky, biggest goal uh, would be to change the way that the world thinks about mental and physical well-being. And obviously through these COVID times, uh, a lot of those issues uh, have come to the forefront. And I think there are just so many things that we can do to help people, uh, to educate them, uh, but really to follow them along a path. And no matter where they are, you kind of meet people where they are, whether it's somebody that can barely move because of pain, uh, to somebody that wants to be an elite athlete, uh, give them the tools to be able to accomplish that in those three lifestyle dimensions. Well, there's such important things that, that you've, you talk about you know, in, in this idea today, especially, right? I mean, I think one of the other things which you, know, you and so many other current and former professional athletes can be real leaders. Um, in in pushing forward this making sure that you know mental um, illness is not something that's you know hidden anymore um, and, and you see so many athletes today both current as as well as former who are putting it out there who are sharing their stories who are who are and, and that I think means a lot to the rest of us is that something that you feel is is, is going to be very helpful moving forward yeah I think so and I and, and I believe really when it when it comes to any, uh, uh, physical, obviously, but also uh, uh, mental challenges, I think people tend to look at the message coming from athletes that they already admire differently. And that's, you know, some of that's good and some of that's bad uh, because the messages, uh, you know, always aren't, aren't the best, uh, especially when it's, uh, you know, news uh, coverage about, you know, what an athlete may have done away from the field. But I think when you when you look across the landscape, uh, you know you look you look at uh, you know what what's happened uh, with athletes that have come forward and talked about some of the mental issues uh, that they've had, stepping away from the game, and people making the announcements and saying that they're doing it for that reason. I think that there had been this stigma, or that there's always really this stigma attached to uh, mental illness. And that's a, it's a, it's a very broad ranging topic uh, that, you know, exists across a very, a very wide spectrum. 
Uh, but many of us uh, deal with anxiety and depression and so many of those issues. And I think when they hear it coming from an athlete and athletes in particular that are ad admired uh, for their uh, mental toughness and their ability to go out and overcome things, uh, you're, you're a human being as well. And first and foremost. And so hearing that message coming from an athlete that kind of uh, it, it exposes some of their vulnerabilities. I think that, that can be very helpful uh, for the general fan and the general public. Well, we're really excited to have you on our show. We have Robert Smith. Follow Robert at Robert26Smith. Robert is not only a you know, one of the top 50 greatest Minnesota Vikings ever, <laughs> uh, one of the top uh, Ohio State um, players in the history of Ohio State University, also an, a sports analyst today and entrepreneur. And with that, Robert, I really wanted to touch on something that we talk a lot about on our 76 Capital Leadership Series about the traits of an entrepreneur and how they uh, mirror the, the traits that you need to be successful on, a, on, on the football field or on the basketball court, in your case, certainly the football field. And we talk about how it's so important to have that incredible passion about the game, um, your des the desire, the drive. You just talked about earlier sort of the persistence and being able to kind of get up after getting knocked down. Uh, how do you see that from a, a business perspective today um, as well as what it was like as a as a as a young guy as a running back you know you know going out there and just getting knocked down by really big guys but having to get back up all the time <laughs> well those are great points that you make Wayne and you know so so true in so many different ways and uh, you know you, you, I think it, it's so important to, to have passion in your life um, and if you're going to pursue something and try to truly be successful at it people say yeah I really want to do this I really want to do that but uh, you have to understand that there are steps that you need to take. And I think for an entrepreneur, it's not just about vision, as, as you know. It's, 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 it's about uh, educating yourself uh, and surrounding yourself with good people, people that understand that path. And that's something that I've had to deal with. I'm on my third uh, uh, leader of the company. The guy's just absolutely tremendous. I actually met him because of COVID uh, out in Sun Valley, Idaho, uh, a lot of experience in the space, but and uh, you know a guy that really understands every step that you need to take as a company uh, along the way. Because as, as an entrepreneur, when you're first getting involved, and in you think about the big picture vision, but if you don't think about all the incremental steps that need to be taken to execute on that vision and operationalize a company. Uh, then you know you're just kind of you're just kind of you're spending a lot of money you're spending a lot of time and you're spinning your wheels a lot of time so it's really understanding what the market is uh, how you fit into that market uh, and really how to how to put all of those pieces together in a way that uh, that uh, that allows you uh, to enter that market successfully but you're right I mean so many ups and downs and challenges that you face, uh, but you have to be able to overcome those things. But, you know, just just like in so many sports, I think understanding uh, the coaching aspect of it, going going to people that have been through it before, uh, uh, again, is just so important because that knowledge uh, of, of really how to operate a company from the very first days uh, to the point where you hopefully, uh, you know, have have so much uh, market traction that you're even thinking about going public. You need somebody that truly understands every step of that process. 
Well, there's certainly no doubt about that. And, you know, I'd love to hear, you know, let's, let's go back and talk about your process, um, where you grew up, where you always, was, it, was playing football something that was always part of, part of you and, and, and your, your family? Tell, tell me a little about that, about some of your background. Well, so uh, my mother was a registered nurse. So, uh, you know, spending a lot of time around hospitals and, 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 you know, seeing her stethoscope and all these different hospital uh, implements and, and, and thinking about science. Like science was my first love still is. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very fortunate and starting fan huddle. It, it, it's really about using applied science and, and combining it with those other passionate elements of sports. I mean, it's, it's combining some of my greatest loves and passions. So again, I think going back to that theme, but, you know, going back to when I first started uh, competing in sports track was my first athletic love. Uh, you know, I grew up, my, my, my older brother, we would sit in front of the TV and, you know, I remember so vividly in 84 when Carl Lewis won the four gold medals. And oddly enough, you know, that was, that was where my first NFL game happened in the Coliseum out there in LA too. So it kind of all tied together, but yeah, track was always my first love and the track coach. Uh, he was good friends with, uh, the football coach at the school. It was this little Catholic school. And it was just kind of an afterthought for me, really, getting involved in football. I always wanted to uh, be in track and running the Olympics and things like that. But uh, that's kind of how I got into football. It was just kind of something to do in the offseason of track, basically. Uh, and then as you progress and you, and you kind of see what track – I mean, track is just such an elite sport. I mean, you're talking about, you know, the top two or three athletes in the world, really, uh, that make it. Um, in, 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 in any way, um, it's, it's, it's a very difficult path. I mean, I was able to pursue it even at Ohio state. I ended up, um, uh, running the four by 400 and the open 400 Ohio state. We actually won the four by 400 at the NCAA meet in 93. And I had qualified for the Olympic trials the year before, but just to tell you a little bit about how elite track is, I qualified for the Olympic trials in 92 but i was preparing for my last season at ohio state in football i didn't even end up going to the trials and you know kind of looking back on that i maybe i should have gone because <laughs> it was you know it would have been in uh, mid-june late june uh maybe it would have been a cool experience but i knew just based on the times that i was running i didn't have any uh, legitimate shot to make the olympic team but it might have been cool to see that but yeah it was uh it it, it was interesting you know you just kind of you get into to sports with a certain expectation and wanting to do certain things, uh, but it just speaks to how elite some sports are. Even if you're really, really, really good at something, uh, advancing to that highest level in a sport is never easy. Well, you were Mr. Football in Ohio for two years, if I, if I got that right, <laughs> which is incredible, absolutely incredible, as a track guy, right? And... <clears throat> So was, was going to Ohio State something that you always wanted to do, or, or did, how did that happen? Yeah, you know, when I, was, when I was younger, you know, when I watched football, I grew up in, in the Cleveland area, and, you know, going back, my, my older brother, rest his soul, uh, he was a Cowboys fan. Uh, you know, this is, this is back in, you know, Tony Dorstead and, you know, Roger Staubach and Danny White and all, you know, all of the Ed Tutal Jones, all that uh, in, in the late 70s, early 80s. And so I had to take the other side. And the other side was the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I grew up in Cleveland 
as a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, which is absolute sacrilege. <laughs> so uh, for me, that uh, that was really uh, that was really how I grew up. You know, wearing my Steelers jacket out onto the uh, playground, and you know, fortunately, uh, being one of the bigger kids, you didn't have to worry about taking too much heat. But I never was really a college fan. I never really watched Ohio State football. I mean, I knew about the rivalry with Ohio State and Michigan. Um, but it wasn't really something that I watched growing up. If I was watching football, I was watching professional football. And then after my sophomore year in high school, which is the first year that I played varsity football, uh, started to uh, get the letters and uh, started learning more about the different schools. And uh, my high school football coach, uh, you know, still talked to him. He was a great mentor for me, Tom Bank. And he sat me down early in the process and he said, look, there are going to be a lot of schools going to come here and they're going to want to talk to you. Let's get a list of five schools and we'll tell everybody else politely thanks, but no thanks. So we sat down and it was USC, it was UCLA, uh, it was University of Miami and it was Ohio State. And then he made me uh, go to Michigan. I had no intention of going to Michigan, but he's like, Bo Schembechler wants to meet with you. So you're going to Michigan <laughs> to at least take an unofficial visit. So I ended up doing that without ever seriously considering them. And at the time, who was the coach at Ohio State? John Cooper. And, and, and John Cooper uh, had, had just taken over a, a, a couple of years earlier. And, you know, it was, it, they really weren't great times. Uh, at Ohio State. But, you know, as I started to learn more about the, the tradition of Ohio State and, and really wanting to, you know, I was just, I'm an Ohio guy through and through and thinking about uh, long term and all of the connections that you make at a, at a school like Ohio State, um, it, it became clear to me that if I was, if I was going to stay anywhere close to home, I was going to be going to Ohio State. So uh, there was, wasn't really much doubt about that. Uh, you know, I, I took the trips to UC, USC and UCLA and, and Miami and, and the unofficial visit to Michigan, uh, but uh, just kind of learning about the passion of the Ohio State fans. You know, it's funny, the first Ohio State game that I went to, everybody or the people that I went with had, had never been to a game either. And they were talking about, well, these people are standing up for the band. Like, what, what, what are we watching here? And just a few weeks ago, uh, because I wasn't calling a game on a Saturday, I had an opportunity to take my kids back. My kids are only 11 and 9. I had a chance to take them to an Ohio State game for the very first time. And you better be sure, you know, you better believe it. They were in that stadium when the band first came out on the field. And it was just, it was so incredible to be able to share uh, that with the, with the kids. They had seen the videos of it, but there's just nothing like being in a college stadium at a place like Ohio State uh, on a game day and and, and uh, seeing all of that passion and pageantry in person. Is there a certain moment that you you think back or a certain play in your career at, at Ohio State that that you're you, you most you know you remember you remember the most or just is like that that was what exemplified my whole career? Well, you know, unfortunately, I didn't. I, I only played two years at Ohio State, um, uh, and I played Michigan twice. Uh, one was a loss and one was a tie. Uh, so, you know, no good memories uh, from that one. Uh, but really, I, I would have to say it was my first game. It was against Texas Tech. I was a, a true freshman. I didn't play much in the first half, but came in in the second half and, you know, ended up, you know, more than 80 yards in the game. And I scored my fir first touchdown. Brent Musburger 
was the uh, was the play-by-play guy. I went back and, and and watched it after the game, and the most memorable moment was scoring that first touchdown and then going over the sideline. I was so excited and, and filled up with Gatorade because I didn't know I'd be playing that much that uh, I kind of lost uh, lost my Gatorade on the sideline on national TV. So that was a a, 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 a nice addition to that first touchdown. Well, it's it means a lot to me, you know, to, you know, certainly because when you mentioned Brent Musburger, who was this, he was one of the founders of VEASAN, uh, the sports betting network that we mm. invested in and backed and, and and now recently sold it to DraftKings. And so many athletes, so many people that we, we talk with have Brent Musburger stories <laughs> and how he called the game or how he was there or just incredible little things about him and how, how much he, how much what a how he was so involved with with sports at all levels for for so many years and yeah. still is now today with the with the Raiders at 82 yeah and you know Brent I, I took a couple of flights with him uh, and and had a chance to have him talk about life and talk about business and of course you know you know Brent talk about some gambling too <laughs> he, he always found a way I'm sure he still does. Uh, to get it into the broadcast, it was always funny, but just such an iconic figure uh, in, in, in sports. It was just really cool to have an opportunity to actually spend some time with him away from games uh, and, and just hear about his, his passion and so many things. Forte is the fitness industry's only premium turnkey live and on-demand streaming white label digital solution. Forte powers many of the largest brands in fitness globally, from the NFL Players Association to Good Life Fitness, the YMCA, Under Armour World Headquarters Gym, The Edge, and more. If you know a great fitness brand or sports league looking to create an interactive digital experience for their members, please have them visit www.goforte.fit or reach out directly at partnerships at forte.fit. That's yeah, pretty amazing. And then for, from Ohio State, you went on to become a first-round draft pick uh, with the Minnesota Vikings. And what was it like going to, to Minnesota at that time? Was that in 1993? 1993, okay. Yeah, so it was strange. You know, I, I, as I mentioned, I only played two years at Ohio State. I played my first year, sat out my second year, and thought about transferring so this time I took another trip to USC, who was on the original list, but I also went to Stanford. And at Stanford, Denny Green was there with Ty Willingham and, and, and his staff up there and Brian Billick. Uh, and, you know, I had an opportunity to meet those guys, but I decided that I would go back to Ohio State because back then, unlike now, you have to sit out a year uh, when you transfer. And I thought, I just want to play one more year uh, and then I'll turn pro. And on draft day, uh, you know, I was thinking uh, maybe the Dolphins, maybe the Cowboys are going to pick me. And it was like a, a long wait between like when the Cowboys picked and when the Dolphins picked. And, you know, even being drafted 21st overall, it takes a long time in the first round. You know, back then it was 15 minutes, I think, in between picks and the, the teams had for picks. So I was like, I, I'm tired. Of, I'm tired of watching this. I actually flipped the channel and started watching Ren and Stimpy. Like I need to entertain myself as I'm watching and, and, uh, or waiting for that call. And the phone finally rings. Uh, and it was Denny Green on the line. Uh, rest his soul as well. 
and, and, and Denny, who I had met uh, on my trip to Stanford, um, he said, uh, you know, Robert, I'll let you get away once. I'm not going to let it happen again. So um, that was how I got drafted. I remember, remember the ride to the airport so vividly. It was raining a little bit there in Columbus and getting up to Minnesota for the first time. And, uh, you know, one of, the, one of the first things that I did uh, with the staff was meet with Ty Willingham. And of course, Ty went on, uh, you know, to be the coach at Stanford himself, and then the coach at Notre Dame, was coach at Washington for a while. But Ty was such a meticulous guy, and you know, you talk about de recruiting process. He pulled out some tape, and never forget, it was tape from Michigan State, and he pulled out this run. It was like a a, a zone, a zone uh, stretch run to the left hand side. And he said, "Look at look at what you did on this play. You ended up getting six yards. That's great." What if you had made this cut right here? You cut this up field a little bit sooner and you take advantage of that first vertical lane, you get 18, 20 yards. You're on the safety. This could be a touchdown. And I, it just stood out to me so vividly uh, as, as a memory, but as you know, who Ty was and is, that attention to detail and understanding, even though you may have been able to do something well at, at one level, when you move to that next level, you better be able to understand all the intricacies of the game. Not much different than being an entrepreneur. It's 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 one thing to start smaller companies that have a have a have a uh, a, a, a different uh, growth uh, uh, path to them. You know, as you get involved with these bigger companies and dollars get bigger, you better understand what it really takes uh, to be successful. Well, that's fascinating. I mean, to hear, you know, Ty tell you, you know, just that, that small little little change that he's like, we're, we're just try this. You, know, you think about in today's world where there's so much technology and analytics and data being used to really help athletes get better. Um, you know, have you seen a change in the game because of that? You know, that's an interesting question. I, I think so. I think players because it's so much easier now from a technology perspective to watch film, uh, I think players watch a lot more film. And what that means is those players do understand those finer points of the game better. They can see those little tendencies that they may have, the tendencies that defenses may have, uh, what techniques they can try. And I think uh, that players and, and offenses and defenses have become so much more complex because the coaches can hand you an iPad or, you know, you pull up the, the, the film on your iPad where when I first was in college, you know, it was literally, you know, like the eight millimeter, you know, and they're, they're winding the film that way. Uh, we didn't really take home a lot of VCR tapes then, but that was, you know, some of that was happening, but now you can just, you can pull up. Okay. Let's pull up the you know second and four video. This is what they, they like to do second and four. This is what they do on third and long. These are the types of blitz packages. This is how this safety rotates or is going to rotate. If you're a quarterback, you can see so many of those uh, finer details. So I think it's, you know, it's kind of an arms race. And you kind of see the evolution of offenses and the evolution of defenses uh, happen over the course of time because people say, okay, well, we've seen this, we've seen this, we've seen this. Well, what if we try some sort of more dramatic departure from what people have seen? Uh, and all of that really comes down to studying uh, film. And I think 
you know, that's that's what makes Bill Belichick and guys like Nick Saban that attention to detail, uh, that obsessive attention to detail uh, has made them so successful at their respective levels. Well, there's certainly no doubt about that. And we're really excited to have Robert Smith as our guest on our 76 Capital Leadership Series. And Robert, while you were playing with the Vikings, can you talk to us about some of the some of the players that you play with, some of the quarterbacks, wide receivers, defensive players that, you know, maybe that have become you know, lifelong friends or they, they people that you do, you know, business with today or you, or you potentially just go back when you go to back to Minneapolis and you just see them at the games. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. So here are the quarterbacks that I played with. Short list, okay? So first of all, uh, um, it was, uh, oh, geez, uh, Jim McMahon and Sean Salisbury uh, was was on that team as well. And then Warren Moon comes in. And this is, by the way, this is so that my rookie season when Jim McMahon was there and Sean Salisbury was there, Rich Gannon got cut in, in training camp. And, of course, Rich Gannon years later uh, ends up doing extremely well with the Raiders and, uh, you know, plays for 18 years or something like that. Uh, but then Warren Moon was in there. Brad Johnson was in there. Randall Cunningham was in there. Jeff George was in there. And then Dante Culpepper was in there. And that doesn't even count Todd Bauman and Jay Fiedler, who were on the team and ended up, you know, having good careers and, and going other places. So the quarterback list was extraordinary. But then on the defensive side of the ball, I mean, Johnny Randall was there. Chris Dolman was there. Henry Thomas was there. Uh, and, uh, you know, on the offensive side, uh, um, Randall McDaniel was my was my left uh, guard for most of my career. Todd Stucey was at that left side. Jeff Christie was at center. Dave Dixon was at that right guard spot. Uh, and then Corey Stringer, who I played with my last year at Ohio State, was his first year at Ohio State. Uh, and then he ended up getting drafted by the Vikings. So we played uh, six years together up there in Minnesota. So a lot of great stories there. Uh, and then at, at, you know, well, here's, here's the story. My first, my first mini camp, I show up to mini camp and I'm sitting in the room with Roger Craig. And it's like, wait a second, not only am I sitting next to Roger Craig, but we're like, we're going to be competing for the same job. You know, it was just like one of those moments, like this is just unbelievable. Uh, but, you know, a lot of those guys, you know, uh, Henry Thomas and Johnny Randall, Johnny Randall still still uh, uh, talk with and deal with quite a bit and see him up there at those Vikings games. Uh, Chris Carter, Jake Reed. Uh, I was a, I was at um, a bass fishing tournament just uh, just over the summer that Randy Moss held uh, up there in the Twin Cities. Um, Pete Bursich, a guy you probably don't know a whole lot about. Uh, he was a linebacker, special teams guy, but he's the color analyst for the Vikings radio network. A uh, good friend of mine, Robert Griffith. Uh, um, Harold Morrow, who's another special team guy, is a good friend. Leroy Horde. Uh, you know, they are lifelong friendships. And uh, the Vikings really do a great job of bringing players back. And uh, they have these legends weekends, as they call them. And I went to the game uh, a, a few weeks ago and uh, was up there in the in the uh, um, uh, loge areas with a, a lot of those former players and coaches, including Mike Tice, who I played with, and then of course became uh, a coach for the Vikings as well. Steve Jordan. I mean, just you know, I I could spend the rest of this and you know probably a few more of, of your shows just talking about those guys and talking about stories, but just an incredible group of people. And I think 
when you ask somebody what they missed most, what they miss most about the game, almost to a person, it's the same thing. It's the locker room because uh, you fight through so much as a player, you know, and of course, you know, football, it's not a contact sport. It's a collision sport. Uh, you know, it's, you deal with a great deal of violence you, you, and, and you fight through so many things together. Uh, but that locker room is just, a, it's a special place and it can be a fun place. So a lot of fun, good stories that you have. Well, I mean, it's a, the names are incredible. The quarterbacks, the defensive players you play back, incredible. You know, you think about, we think about that from a, a business perspective. It's all about, you know, the individuals, the, the types of people, the, the team members, them all coming together. You know, are there specific, you know, uh, moments or times or games when, you know, things just didn't look good, but the team kind of just rallied together and it was, and, and it had a lot to do with the fact that y'all trusted each other, and it went on and it turned it maybe a, you know, a, a, a tough loss, you know, into a big win. Is there something you have any moments like that? Um. Well, it, it, the uh, the playoff game in '97 uh, it would have been the '97 season. You know, going into '98. Um, we won the first playoff game under Denny there uh, with the Vikings, and it was against the New York Giants, and it was a late comeback win there. Really exciting. Uh, you know, Jake Reed and uh, Chris Carter were part of that receiving core, and, um, you know, uh, 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 Brad Johnson uh, was, was the quarterback at that time. Um, just it, it, There are just so many moments, you know, in a game like that, just all kinds of craziness. And of course, you know, uh, MetLife now, Meadowlands, whatever you want to call it. I mean, it's, it's such a fun place to play because the people are just so hostile and that's the best thing in the world. When it's a, you know, hostile environment like that, it's January, it's cold, it's windy, but I just remember, and this happened a lot of times. I mean, as an offense, you get together on the sideline and you say, we got this. Like it's, it, I mean, and, it, and it's just like, Nobody has any doubts about what needs to happen or how it's going to happen. Everybody gets in that huddle, and so many times it just happens so spontaneously, not something we normally do, but, you know, the hands just go out. The hands in the huddle go out, and all of a sudden we're all holding hands in the huddle like, hey, man, we're in this together. Let's go do this. And I just I remember that was one of those moments that uh, stood out to me because, you know, we were we were down big late in that game, um, but it, we were able to just uh, uh, pull it out. It was just just an incredible experience. What a great story! Thanks for sharing that with us. And again, thanks for being on our '70s Capital Leadership Series. It means a lot. Follow Robert Smith at Robert Twenty Six Smith. Uh, someone that you should follow. And I mean, I found that incredible picture uh, just. <laughs> recently that we, we talked about before the show of, of you in high school winning a winning a, a track meet that was pretty pretty amazing to see that oh thank you yeah it was a, it was a hundred meter dash when i was a, a junior in high school and uh 400 meters was my specialty and you know i talked about you know running that at ohio state as well but it just so happened that the two fastest 400 meter runners in the history of ohio were this guy, Chris Nellums, and myself. And we happened to be the same year. So he ended up winning the 400 all four years. So I never won the 400 meters. And he made the change over to hurdles, the 110 hurdles from the 100-meter dash that year. So I got a chance to, to get in a race final without him being in it. 
uh, and I was able to win it. And he still holds the national high school record for the 110 hurdles. And fortunately, we teamed up at Ohio State, and he was part of that 4x400-meter uh, relay team. I, was, I handed the baton to him and then promptly you know, went to the – I never finished a 400-meter race without feeling like I was just going to completely lose it. Uh, but I handed off the baton to him, and you know, some 44 seconds later, we were national champions. It was pretty incredible. That's amazing. That's amazing. So one of the things I, w I wanted to also touch on was you, you mentioned earlier your your involvement as a, a college football analyst today on Fox Sports and the Big Ten Network. Um, what what other types of you know over the years after leaving football um, and the NFL, you you worked on a number of different networks. What's that been like being able to stay active, stay within the within the sport? Is, is it has it been a good thing or for you so far? It's it's been amazing. It was something I never thought I'd do. Never. I never thought I would be involved in sports media. And I ended up writing a book called The Rest of the Iceberg. And uh, it, it, it's an insider's view on sport and celebrity. And as I was doing a, a bunch of different shows around the country talking about this book, this agent approached me and he said, would you want to get involved in television? And I was like, we mean like CNN or something? He's like, no, let's, let's go to a sports network. Oh, yeah, okay, that, that sounds like a good idea. And it was just, it was, it was the greatest thing that happened to me because it really allowed me to get back around the game, something that I missed more than I even realized. Uh, and, and to be able to see it from a different level, especially as a running back, uh, you know, your view is so narrow of what's going on on the field. And I think, you you know, you compartmentalize in, in a sense because, you know, it, it doesn't really matter to me if they're, you know, playing press and they're bailing or, you know, they're moving the safeties. Like none of that. Is it zone or is it man? I'm looking at the linebacker. Is he, is he blitzing or is he playing zone or man? That's all I need to know. Uh, but really learning about the game and the evolution of the game and seeing, again, kind of how the coaching staffs, especially in college, but even to some degree in the pros, you know, we, we see the evolution with more of the running quarterbacks and with Baltimore, you know, what they've done with Lamar Jackson has just been incredible. Uh, but seeing that evolution of the game uh, and, and feeling that passion and even the agony of defeat, seeing that, just understanding just how much it matters uh, to those players and to those coaches and to those fans. It's, it's, it's amazing to be a part of that. Uh, that's incredible. It's incredible to see how, you know, your, your transformation, you know, as a, you know, one of the top running backs in the NFL to the, to the world of, of broadcasting, to the world of entrepreneurship. And then, you know, last but not least, let's, let's, we have to touch on this because one of the things that we, we really love to touch on in our 76 Capital Leadership Series is also what you do to help others. And I think that's something that's also really important as a leader, as someone who is, is, is someone who's looked up to in, in all the different things that you do. You know, off the field, you have you know, a number of things that you're doing. If you could share some of the things that you're doing to sort of try to make this world a better place for everybody. Well, from the NFL player perspective, you know, I came in the league in 93 and it was the first year of the rookie salary cap. So we were the first group of rookies that got paid less money than the rookies that came after or uh, came before us. And I was upset about that. Like, I got to get involved with this union. I got to understand what's going on. I got to go get Gene Upshaw fired, all this kind of stuff. And I found out then, uh, as I started to learn more about the union and the history of the union, that 
when the pension was first created for the NFL players, there was an entire class of players that was excluded. They called them the pre-59ers. And unfortunately, this is just a, this is a decision that players and player leadership at that time made was that because they wanted to have a bigger pension and they realized that so many of these guys were already retired and it's really expensive to pay benefits to people who are already retired, uh, they decided to exclude those players. Well, in 1993, Gene Upshaw and the union made the decision to go back and add all of those players and a lot of, I mean, you're talking about survivors receiving those benefits at that time. Very expensive to do. And so they took a lot of the money that would have gone to the rookies and put it to that. And so in some capacity since 1994, I've either been a player rep, an executive committee member, agent disciplinary committee member, and now I serve on the NFL Pension and Disability Board. So service to players is first and foremost to me. Uh, but I've also been involved, uh, you know, I had an opportunity when I was at Ohio State to work in cancer research. We we're actually doing the PCR that you hear about now. The techniques were a little bit different uh, back then, but we were running PCR uh, uh, in, in, you know, using viruses uh, to amplify samples of DNA back in the lab all the way back in 1991. Um, but that, that really uh, uh, brought about an interest in cancer research and, and cancer hospitals and uh, any any time I can get involved, you know, Ohio State has uh, 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 an organization called Peloton. They do these uh, rides for cancer. I've been involved with children's hospitals uh, for years. Anytime I can be involved uh, uh, in, in service, especially when it, uh, when it involves cancer, uh, it's something very near and dear, dear to my heart. Well, it's, it's amazing all the things that you do and you know, you're, you're truly making not only the NFL, not only the former players, but the world in general a better place. And we, we really feel um, very lucky to have had you on our 76 Capital Leadership Series. Robert, thank you so much for, for joining our show. Oh, thanks again, Wayne, for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. And make sure that you follow Robert26Smith on Twitter. Um, and, and, you know, the thing is, is that listen to all the things that he had to say. Um, they, they truly cross from sports to being an entrepreneur, being a broadcaster, being someone who's truly trying to make this world a better place. And that's what the 76 Capital Leadership Series is all about. And remember, if you're an athlete, you're an entrepreneur, you're a student, you're a business person who wants to work in the sports business world, wants to start a company in this industry, reach out to us at 76 Capital. We would love to be in touch with you. So again, thank you, Robert. We could go on for hours together. I want to hear more about all those quarterbacks that you mentioned, <laughs> all those amazing people that you played with in those years. You know, we had, you know, in, in your career with the, with the Vikings is, is incredible. I'm so happy you still have a great connection there. Yeah, so that, it's, so a, it's an honor to be a part of the organization, always. Well, that's awesome. I can't wait to watch you, um, and you know, doing all the games on Fox and, uh, We'll stay in touch. I really appreciate it. Once again, I'm Wayne Kimmel. Thank you so much for tuning to this edition of our 76 Capital Leadership Series. And as you know, and as Robert has done in his life, not only just in his career as a football player, he went out there and he just made it happen. And that's what you got to go do to be successful. Go make it happen. Diamond Kinetics, the market leader in mobile technology for player development in the sports of baseball and softball. DK's revolutionary swing tracker, bat sensor, and pitch tracker smart ball provide hitting and throwing data to players, parents, coaches, and teams, helping them 
to understand their performance, improve, and have more fun playing the game they love. Save 20% store-wide when you use the code CAPITAL20 at diamondkinetics.com. That's 20% off using the code CAPITAL20 at diamondkinetics.com. Improve your game today with Diamond Kinetics. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the 76 Capital Leadership Series with Wayne Kimmel speaking with former Minnesota Viking, two-time pro bowler, Robert Smith. Hope you enjoyed this episode. We're looking forward to welcoming you back again next week.